Yesterday we mentioned the statement of Rava, who gives a definition of the word se. He says the word se always means a purebred uh, kosher animal, a sheep or a goat. How does he know that? He learns it from the following paradigm pasuk in Devarim. These are the following are kosher animals, an ox. And then it says se, which in Hebrew uh, includes both sheep and goats. We don't have an English word that is equivalent to it. So it's saying se uh, in the subcategory of sheep and also se subcategory of goats. So now why do I have to repeat the word se? I could have just said the fact that it repeats the word se means that, according to Rava, that the word se refers to a purebred kosher animal and not a hybrid. So this is a binyan av. This is a paradigm for all other places that the word se will exclude um, kilayim. Now, we wondered about this because regarding the payment of 405, it says the word se, if a, if a thief steals a se and slaughters it, he has to pay four and five. And the Mishnah says that, inclu- that includes a kilayim. If a thief steals a hybrid, he does have to pay four and five. So this seems to be against Rava's ruling. So we answered, it says an extra word, aw, there. And uh, the aw was coming to include hybrid in that case. Very good. So now um, we're wondering, Rava's ruling, what does it come to teach us? Um, because it does not apply to the um, to uh, the st- st- stealing of four or four and five. Um, it also does not apply to Kodashim, which we also saw because there's a special pasuk in Kodashim that says the word aw twice. And we learned that that comes to exclude that you cannot bring a sacrifice from a hybrid animal. So that we have a specific derivation and therefore Rava's ruling, we don't need that to apply to Kodashim either. So we're going to go through a few different possibilities. What did Rava want to apply this ruling to? The statement of Rava, that the Pasuk in Devarim 14, that that is considered a paradigm from which we learn that every time in the Torah says the word Se, it means to exclude a hybrid Akilayim. What law does this apply to that we wouldn't otherwise know it? If it's Kodashim, we already know that from the Pasuk that we saw there uh, that says, Remember this word, Tachat. Once it's uh, born, it has to remain for seven days under its mother, with its mother alive and uh, fed. And only you can only sacrifice for price it from the eighth day on. And we said this awe and this awe come to exclude a hybrid and a mutant animal that cannot be sacrificed. So I already have a specific pasuk regarding that. I don't need Rava for that. So what else can it apply to? Maybe you'll say it applies to Masar Behema. You have to give a tenth of animals. So uh, what kind of animals? Certainly purebred animals, uh, but not a hybrid animal. You don't have to give a tenth. Is that what I was applying to? No, I don't need it for that because I can learn the Gezerah Shava. It says the word Tahat here in the Pasuk we just mentioned, and it also says um, regarding Ma'asar Behema, Chomasa Bakava Son, Kolashedi Abor, 
Tahat Hashabit. When you do the tenth, tenth um, count the tenth, you have them all pass through a gate, and you mark the tenth one with a staff. So it says the word Tachat there. So I can learn a Gezer shava from these two. Now this also is Kolashir uh, Ya'avod, whatever passes through. Remember this word? We're going to need it for the next step. So therefore, I already know from this Gezer shava that hybrids do not, are not included in the law of Maaser. I don't need Rava for that. Maybe it applies to firstborn animals. Firstborn animals are holy, right? And you have to deal with them in a special way. So maybe it comes to say only purebred and not uh, hybrid animals. They're not bechor. Well, that law is true, but I don't need Rava's derivation for that because I have a gezer shava for that also. We take the word ya'avod here and we compare it with um, uh, in Shemot Yud Gimel. Here it means to set apart, but it's the same root. Um, uh, uh, any firstborn to Hashem. So it says the word Ha'avad, um, Ya'avod, and Ya'avod, Ha'avada, and therefore we have a Gezer Shava. I don't need Ravad to tell me that um, that uh, hybrids are excluded from this law. Iname, or I have another way to derive it if you don't want this Gezer HaShava. Nidme amart la dichtiv ach bechor shor ad shehu shor ubechoro shor kelaimi ba'aya. We have another pasuk also regarding firstborn that says ach. Ach is a limiting word. The uh, ach, the um, firstborn of an ox. Um, so this comes to, this uh, word ach, comes to exclude a mutant, an animal that looks, uh, doesn't look quite like an ox, it looks like something else, is excluded from the law of, uh, of Bechor. Uh, it has to be that it's, a, the, it's an ox and its firstborn is an ox and has to look like this, that same species and not if it's a mutant that looks like something else. So if even a mutant, which looks funny, but is is uh, biologically the same, very same species, if even that's included, then for sure a hybrid, which is a mix of two different species, is going to be ex- going to be excluded from the law. So this, Bechod, I know already, I don't need Rava for that. Ela, ki itmar Rava, linyan peter hamor, ki ditnan, en podin lo be'aige, velo be'chaya, velo be'shchuta, velo be'trefa, velo be'kilayim, velo be'koi. The Rava's um, derivation, that the word se, always means only a purebred, that comes to teach me regarding a pet, a pet al chamor, a firstborn donkey. A donkey is not a kosher animal, yet its firstborn is holy. So you can't sacrifice it, obviously, because it's not kosher. Instead, you have to redeem it with a se. Torah says, right? be se. So um, I know that I have to redeem it with a se. Can I redeem it with a kilayim animal? Um, uh, so let's see. The Mishnah in Bechorot teaches that you cannot take a chamor and redeem it with a calf, nor with a wild animal, not with a, a dead animal, and not, not with a terefa animal. Even if it's a se, but you already did shechita to it, you can't redeem with it, or if it's a terefa, even if it's a se. You also cannot use a hybrid, and also not a koi. A koi might be a different things, maybe a water buffalo or something. It's, uh, might, it's either safek, whether it's a behema or haya. The point, point here is that you cannot use a kilayim animal, um, even if it's half sheep and half goat, sorry, you can't use that 
um, as a, um, a redemption for a donkey. How do I know this? Oh, this is what we need Rava for. Rava says, look at Devarim Yudalid, that's a paradigm, and that teaches that Se means a purebred uh, Se, and you have to use a purebred to redeem a donkey. All right, so that's a good answer according to most rabbis. Well, it be a lazad matir bekilayim, ditnan, it be a lazad matir bekilayim, if neshu se, lemail cheta, however, it be a lazad disagrees. And he says that you can redeem a donkey with a hybrid. As it says in the Mishnah, the Azad says it's permitted because that is called a se. So according to the Biel Azad, what is Rava? Rava's uh, derivation applied to. Amalach Rabbi Elazar, Kitma de Rava, of course, Rabbi Elazar is a Tana. Um, he would not be mentioning Rava. So when we say Amalach, Rabbi Elazar didn't actually say this. Right? Rabbi Elazar could say this if we brought him in a time machine uh, down back, uh, to the time of Rava, he could say, or to our time, he could tell us that. Uh, when Rava said his uh, derivation, he applied it to the following case, It's a non-kosher animal that's born from a kosher mother and a non-kosher father. Uh, if you could have such a case, what, what would you do with the, it's, this is a hybrid, and so what is that called? Is it kosher to eat? And Rava says, no, that's not called a, uh, a seh, that's not called a kosher animal. Um, uh, I guess, uh, you know, for, for people, as long as the mother is Jewish, the kid is Jewish. For animals, you need the, both uh, parents to be kosher in order for the offspring to be kosher. And so we learn this from Rava's uh, derivation. Now this derivation of Rabbi Al-Azad would not be, the, be in agreement with Rabbi Yoshua. Rabbi Al-Azad and Rabbi Yoshua agree with the same law. They agree that a hybrid um, animal that if from a non-kosher, if it's half non-kosher, is not kosher. He agrees with the law, and he actually learns it from the very same pasuk, too. Because remember, Rava learned it from Devarim Yudalid. Um, uh, uh, but Rava learned it, it was through a binyan av, to all cases. Rabbi Yoshua learns it from the plural used nouns in that pasuk. It says, So the plural means that its father and its mother have to both be kosher, right? All of them um, has to be born from two sheep or two goats. A sheep and a goat also um, uh, produce a hybrid. The hybrid is kosher to eat, um, but if it's produced from a non-kosher animal, if, if the father is non-kosher, then the chai offspring is not kosher. So Rabbi Yoshua um, does not need the uh, uh, um, Rava for that. He learns it in his own way, but we really only needed to answer the question according to Rabbi Al-Azad because Rabbi Al-Azad rejected the previous answer. Good. So that's the, uh, that we have an answer for everyone. That, that, that Rava's um, Binyan Av uh, applies to one or the other of, the, of these cases. But now that you mentioned a hybrid between a kosher and non-kosher animal, is such a thing possible? Can a kosher um, female be, get, become pregnant from a non-kosher male? Is there is such a 
such a thing um, uh, that seems biologically not be not uh, not be possible. You can read this note here about the different genuses and why this would not be possible. Uh, but the Gemara answers in de kaimalan de i abar mikalut kerebishimon. Gemara also recognizes that it's not possible, and so they answer that we're talking about a kalut, which means a kosher animal that has a mutation of non-cloven hooves. Right, just happened to be born without that sign of cloven hooves. And so if the father is a kosher animal but doesn't have non, that doesn't have cloven hooves, so basically we're considering it not kosher because it doesn't have the right sign, and that certainly could make a, a female kosher animal pregnant. They could be the very same species, um, a male sheep without cloven hooves because of a mutation with a female sheep that's, that's normal and kosher. Um, that child will be no good, um, uh, according to Rabbi Shimon. Uh, this is in uh, uh, elsewhere. We learned about the law, this law, and that's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. And so, yes, this is a case that is talking about um, uh, of a kosher and non-kosher species. Not literally. It's not that. It's not that you can have a horse that can mate with a cow. Um, uh, but uh, rather, it uh, just doesn't have a sign. And now, Rava asks another question. The question is, if a person says, I obligate myself to bring an Ola, and he is liable, um, if it gets lost or stolen, he has to bring another animal because he took this obligation upon himself. And remember, Rabbi Shimon said that if he takes upon an obligate, this obligation upon himself and he's responsible for it and it gets stolen, and the thief then slaughters it, then the thief has to pay uh, four and five uh, to the owner because the owner has to go buy another animal. So we're talking about that case. And um, uh, the, this, uh, this owner, he said, and he designated, he separated an ox. He's going to bring a nice big ox for this ola. Very beautiful. What a nice way to fulfill this mitzvah. And then someone, a thief came and stole it and slaughtered it. So now the thief, we, as according to the Bishimon, has to pay because he has to replace the animal. But how much does he have to pay? Um, can, is it enough for him to pay just a kibis, a small sheep, right, which is much cheaper? That also is a korban ola, and that would be good for Rabbanan, or even a bird. Um, because in Ola, you can give a bird, and that would follow the opinion of Rebilaz ben Nazariah, as it says in the Mishnah Menachot. Um, if someone says, I accept upon myself in Ola, what animal can he bring? He can bring, he can bring a sheep, according for the Bielaz ben Nazariah. He can bring even a bird. Uh, so, uh, he, he can bring, um, uh, according, sorry, he can bring a sheep, according to Rabbanan. Bielaz ben Nazariah says he can bring a bird. They're not even arguing with each other, because the Torah says you can bring any of these animals. It's just what people used to bring in each place, what was considered a nice thing to bring. So basically, if someone says, he has a choice of what he wants to bring, a big, a small animal, a bird. And so this uh, owner happened to designate an ox. Very nice, he designated an ox. But now the thief stole it. So the thief is responsible to make up what? Does he have to make it up with another ox? Um, or 
uh, he just has to make sure that the owner fulfills his vow. And he can fulfill his vow with a little sheep. He can fulfill his vow with a bird. So the thief says, I know I stole your ox. And that, that ox was Hekdesh. So the value of the ox, the thief does not have to pay to Hekdesh because we learned you don't pay four and five to Hekdesh. Um, so he only has to replace the something to the owner so that the owner can fulfill his obligation. Does he have to give him also a big ox? Or he could, the thief can say, oh, listen, I'll make you good. I'll give you a little bird and that's uh, sufficient for your vow. What do we say about that? Here's the two sides. Do we say that the owner took upon himself something that is called an Ola, and therefore, uh, whatever is called an Ola, the thief can say, oh, you don't have to bring it on to give you an ox. I'll give you a little sheep, and that's enough, right? That still fulfills your Ola. Or maybe the owner can say, I wanted to make the, do the mitzvah in the best way and bring a nice big ox. And now you stole it and you're going to give me a little bird? That's embarrassing. I want to come and I want to really make a, a, big, a big impression. Um, so you have to give me an ox. What, what do we say? That's the question. After Rava asked the question, he figured out an answer too. And he decided, In fact, the thief does not have to pay back a big ox. He can pay a sheep. If you're following Rabbanan, you can pay even a bird. If you're following the Bialan Zaben Azariah. That whole dialogue that we had just had, where Rava asked a question first, wondered about it, and then came to a conclusion, we have that whole tradition in another version, without the question part, just the conclusion. Ravacha, the son of Ravika, he says, uh, he says it in an explicit way, that Rava simply said a statement, um, if uh, someone accepted upon himself an Ola, and he de- de- designated an ox and someone stole it um, then uh, then what does he have to pay back he can pay back just a sheep according to the banan or he can pay back just a bird according to Rabbi El Azad ben Azariah you see something interesting from here that sometimes when we have a statement in the name of a rabbi, right? So it could be that he just, uh, Rabbi just taught the statement in a lecture, he says, here's the halacha, or it could be that it was a result of a much longer uh, discussion of question and answer, um, uh, and uh, we record only the final answer. That brings us to the next Mishnah. <laughs> If a thief stole an ox and then sold 99% of it, um, but kept 1% for himself. The Gemara will say, will explain, it's not literally that he, you know, made a corporation and made 100 shares, but rather he kept one part of the animal for himself. Maybe the horns or the foreleg or the ribeye uh, kept part of it for himself. So that's not a full sale. Uh, or he had a partnership. He owned the, this, an ox, in partnership with someone else. And then he steals the half the ox from his friend and sells it. Uh, or if he slaughters an animal 
and it became a nevela. Um, in other words, he's doing shechita, but he does it improperly, uh, such that it's not a kosher shechita, and the animal becomes a nevela, or he just tore it loose, uh, ripped ripped open the animal, um, and uh, killed it that way, or he uprooted the windpipe as he's slaughtering it. He didn't cut it in the proper way, but uh, uprooted it, like with the back of the knife, and just uh, um, took it out. Or indeed, if he killed it in any way, shot it, threw it off a cliff, whatever, kill the animal in any other way. In all these cases, yes, he does have to pay uh, double because he stole it like anything that you steal, but there's no obligation to pay the four and five um, because he, in the first couple of cases, he did not sell the whole thing. You only have to, you're only liable four and five if you sell the entire animal and not if you keep part of it for yourself. And in the other cases, you're only uh, liable four and five if you do shechita in the proper uh, way, um, according to all the halachot of how you do shechita. And in these cases, the shechita was improper, or there was no shechita at all. He killed it without shechita. Um, then he does not pay four and five. Okay, my chutz mehad shebo. What does? How do we define except for one part out of a hundred? Right, even if he sells the whole thing except for one hair. Right? Is that going to be? He doesn't have to. He's not liable. Amadav chutz midavar hanitad imo bishchita. Rav says uh, uh, he has to be except for something that is prohibited to eat now while it's alive, but would be will become permitted to eat once you do shechita. So this would be like the meat of the animal, um, which is not allowed, and that's that's an essential part of the of the animal. But according to Rav, if he says, "I'll sell you the whole thing except for the fleece," or except for the fleece is permitted um, while it's alive, uh, not to eat. I mean, you know, I don't know, you wouldn't eat it, but um, to you can use it. You can take it off and make a sweater out of it. Um, so that's not an essential part of the animal, and therefore, if you're holding that back. That's still considered a sale, and you have to pay four and five. So that's Rav's definition. Levi and Ebraita are more machmir, and they say even if he, the thief, um, holds back just the fleece, I'm selling you. He steals a, steals a, a sheep and sells the whole thing except for the fleece. That is also considered not a full sale. The fleece is even uh, also an essential part of the animal. Okay, so that's two uh, statements by Amoraim, Rav, and Levi. And we do have a Baraita that backs up Levi. And now we're going to bring another Baraita. There's going to be a few Baraitas coming up. Um, and as this one is going to have three opinions. We're going to try to ma- match them up with Rav and Levi. Tanakama says, if the thief steals a sheep and he sells it, the whole thing, except for its foreleg, except for a back leg, except for a horn, except for its fleece, he does not pay four and five. So we see that this matches up with the opinion of Levi, who says even if you hold back the fleece, that's not a full sale. So, and certainly if you hold back a limb of the animal, it would not be a full sale. So that matches up just fine. Um, Levi, in other words, is can follow Tanakama. This is the Biodanasi says something that is would invalidate um, the animal 
if you slaughtered it without that item. This is talking about like a major uh, um, uh, a, a part of the animal, like its liver. Um, or or its intestines so any a major organ a vital organ that it could not live without um if let's say you know somehow uh the, it, this was missing or got ripped out of the animal now it might stay alive for a few more minutes maybe without its liver um but it's considered already dead and doing a shechita at that point is not going to change anything it's like it's already it's like it already died uh, there is a difference between whether it be Tameh or Tahor, and wouldn't be kosher anyway. Um, uh, but there still could be a difference. Shechita still makes a legal difference in terms of Tuman Tahara, of it uh, being a Nevela. Okay, so if it's, an, if it's a vital organ and the thief sells it except for a vital organ, then that then that's considered not a full sale and he doesn't have to have to pay four and five but uh, if he's not withholding a vital organ then the thief does have to pay four and five now this is not the same as rav because rav is saying some it's part of something that you can eat the difference between them would be just meat of the animal right any part of the meat the uh the the, the ribeye the the leg um is something that according to rav he would say that if you withhold that, you're, then you don't pay four and five. But according to the B, if you withhold just a piece of meat that's not a vital organ, you would have to pay four and five. Uh, the B is more lenient than Rav, so that does not; those do not match up. Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar Omer, Hosmi Karna, Eno Meshem Tashumar Vavachamisha, Hosmi Gizotem Meshem Tashumar Vavachamisha. Rishma ben El Azad is more similar to Tanakama, but he makes a distinction between horn and uh, fleece. He says if the thief uh, steals an, an, a, a sheep and he sells it except for its uh, horn, then that's considered a significant withholding and he doesn't pay four and five. But if he says, I sell it to you with, except for its fleece, then he does have to pay four and five. Fleece is not a significant part of uh, the animal and is not withholding. Now, Avi, uh, Adav does not agree with this opinion either. That's all three opinions. So, Bishlam al-Levi ketanakama, ed al-Adav keman. Levi kenfal tanakama, but Adav does not fit any of these three uh, opinions. So what are we going to do? Amri Rav damar ki hai tana de tanya. Rabbi Shimon ben al-Azhar Omer. Rav can follow the following tana in this baraita. Who is Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar? Now we already did have Rabbi Shimon uh, ben El Azar right here in the in the in this long beraita, but the following beraita has a different version of what Rabbi Shimon ben El Azar says. Remember, in this one, he makes a distinction between horns and fleece, but in the following one. He says something different. If someone steals a sheep and sells it, except for its foreleg or except for its hind leg, he does not pay four and five. Uh, but if he sells it except for its horn or except for its fleece, and he does pay four and five, that fits exactly what Rav says, uh, because the foreleg and the back leg, that's meat. That is, that is not kosher before you slaughter it, but then by doing shechita, it becomes kosher. That was Rav's criteria. And uh, uh, Rabbi ben Elazad here says that both uh, a horn and fleece are not considered a significant withholding. And you can sell the, sell the whole thing except for those. You still have to pay four and five. So this totally agrees with Rav. Oh, good. So now we know that Rav is following the 
the second version of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar in the in the second Braita. Now, what's at the root of the machloket between all the opinions in the long Braita? Tanakama that said that uh, if you withhold anything, right, even if you just withhold a horn, or even if you just withhold the fleece. That's considered significant withholding and you don't pay. So that uh, that opinion says, look at the basuk. If you slaughter, meaning only if you slaughter it entirely, or sell it, only if you sell it entirely. So you need to sell the whole thing in order to be for it to be considered a sale for which you would pay four and five. Um, okay, so that's the that's clear. Nabi explains that the first word utvacha that includes uh, parts of the animal that are required in order to be able to do a slaughter, meaning it has to have all its vital organs in order for the slaughter to be a proper slaughter. And this excludes something that any part of the animal that is not required in order to do shechita. If it's missing a leg, you can still do shechita on the animal. That's not a problem. Or missing some, just a, a piece of meat in it, that's fine as long as it has its vital organs. And that's why it be is the most lenient. And he says, ju- um, just like that, the, the, you, the, these things are required for slaughter. So to mechado is the same category as slaughter. And therefore, if the thief um, keeps for himself vital organs, then that's not a full sale. But as long as he sells all the vital organs, even if he keeps part of the meat and the leg and certainly the horn and the fleece for himself, that is still considered a sale. All right, that's the B. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Sabar, Karna de la Migza, Kaima, Haveshiur, Veno, Mishalem Tashmar Bavachamisha, Gizotel, Megaz Kaime, Laveshiur, Mishalem Tashmar Bachamisha. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, this is the first version in the long Varaita, makes a distinction between the horn and the fleece. The horn, which is not meant to be cut off in the animal's lifetime, yeah, afterwards you cut it off, make a shofar out of it, but you don't usually cut off an a- the, the shofar while it's alive. Uh, so therefore, it's an essential attached part of the animal. And so if he withhold, withholds that from the sale, then it's not a full sale and he doesn't have to pay four and five. But fleece, which is meant to be uh, sheared during the lifetime of the animal. In fact, a sheep, if you don't, if you don't shear it, um, it will just keep growing and growing and overheat and won't be able to walk. Um, so you have to shear an animal and therefore it's fleece that's meant to be cut off is not an essential part of its body. And if the thief withholds that, it's still considered a full sale, and he'd have to pay four and five. The other version of Bishma ben Lazar, which was agreement, uh, was an agreement with Rav. What would they say? What's their derivation? It's four leg and hind leg. That to make it kosher. You have to do a uh, do shechita. So those are called essential parts. And if the a thief keeps it for himself, then it's not a full sale, and he doesn't have to pay four and five. But the horn and the fleece, which you don't you don't have to slaughter it in order to use 
the fleece and make a sweater or the horn. We don't need shechita in order for the horn to be uh, permitted for use. There, that is not an essential part of the animal, and therefore, if the thief uh, withholds that, it's still considered a full sale. We should ask this question when we first brought that second baraita. We have two versions of Rabbi Shimon ben Lazad. They contradict each other. What do we do? And the answer is there are two tradents, uh, two memorizers of baraita that uh, each had a different version. In fact, that, yes, there's two different traditions about what he said. Someone steals an animal that already is missing a limb, or it's lame, or it's blind, and he sells it. Uh, he still has to pay the four and five. And similarly, if he steals an animal f- that belonged to several partners, there's a few partners that own this ox, and the thief um, uh, steals it and then sells it, he has to pay four and five. However, if uh, um, if um, uh, uh, partners steal something, then they don't have to pay, right? There's a, a, a couple of people, they're thieves together, and they steal it together and sell it together, they do not have to pay. Now we ask, There's another Braita that says, partners in crime who steal something and sell it or slaughter it, they do have to pay the four and five. So which one is it? When the Braita said Piturin, that first Braita, that's talking about uh, two, uh, one partner that stole from another partner. In other words, they, they own it together, and then one partner steals from the other. Um, so with the thing that he's selling or slaughtering is partly owned by him, so he doesn't have to pay four and five. But the second Braita that says Chayavin is talking about the two partners in crime that steal a sheep from someone else entirely. So they'll, they'll, why should they be uh, exempt? They both stole something that did not belong to either of them, and they together slaughtered it or sold it. So then they together have to pay the four and five. We have a challenge against Rav Nachman's answer here. It says your distinction here is not good. Why? Because we have yet another baraita. Can it be that if one partner steals from a, 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 another partner, they jointly own an ox, one partner steals the others and slaughters it, um, can it be that he would be liable? And can it be that two partners in crime who steal an animal from someone else and then they slaughter it? Would they be liable to four and five? And the answer of this, uh, uh, is no, because it says utvacho that he slaughters it. He has to slaughter the entire thing. One person has to slaughter the entire thing. If he only slaughters one portion of it, his portion, then he does not have to pay four and five. And since it's jointly owned, so um, one the one who slaughters it is only is only slaughtering one portion of it because he doesn't own the whole thing. And so we don't have that, and therefore he doesn't have to pay four and five. You see, according to this, that two partners in crime that steal something that's not either of theirs, 
and a slaughterer is not liable, but according to Rab Nachman, he explained that the second Braita that says liable is where two partners in crime steal it, the same case. And he, he said that is liable, but this says not so. Ela Amar Nachman. So rather, we fix Rab Nachman's answer. Yes, he made a distinction, but this was the following uh, distinction that he made. La Kashia, Kan Bishutav Shetabach Ledat Havero, Kan Bishutav Shetabach Shelo Ledat Havero. Both Braita are talking about. Um, all three, but I thought, in fact, are talking about uh, a case where two partners in crime steal something that did not belong to either of them. And then they slaughter it. But there's a distinction. If one partner in crime slaughtered it with the knowledge and consent of the other partner in crime, it's like, what should we do? Should we slaughter it, make a barbecue? I said, yeah, okay, go ahead, you do it. And he does it, then they are liable to pay four and five. But if they both go, they both uh, uh, um, uh, go into the barn and steal an ox. And then one slaughters it on his own while the other thief is not there. So then they, neither of them are liable because he he didn't he didn't um, slaughter the all of all of the animal um, uh, that he owns and the other partner didn't didn't know about it and didn't consent to it so that's when that's what when the Braita says patur is talking about um, without um, ownership without knowledge um, so that would be the third and first Braita but with knowledge is the second Braita that said um, that he's hayav. We complete the daf with a couple of dilemmas. Ba'e Rabbi Yirmiya. Mechara hos mishedoshim yom. Hos mimelachta hos meubara mahu. If the thief stole an animal and then sells it uh, to the buyer with the stipulation that I'm going to sell it to you except for 30 days. In other words, I'm going to keep it for myself, the thief says. And then, uh, then you can have it after 30 days. So is that considered a full sale? Because after 30 days, it'll be able to be a full sale. Or do we say he's withholding because he's keeping it for those 30 days? Or if he sells it and says, here, I'm selling you the animal except for its work. Any work that it does, any benefit that uh, um, accrues from its work, I get to keep. Um, but otherwise, you can you can uh, buy the you can have the animal. Is that considered a full enough sale, or is he withholding too much? Or if he says, "I'm selling you a pregnant animal, um, except for its fetus, I'm keeping the fetus for myself," is that considered a withholding of a significant part, and therefore that's not called umechada, and the thief does not have to pay four and five? Or um, is he selling the whole animal and the pregnant and the fetus is a separate um, entity and therefore is not considered withholding and he does have to pay four and five. We're going to focus on the last one. There's two opinions about the status of a fetus. One is that a fetus is a limb of the mother. It's just, an, it's a part of the mother. It's like, it's an organ um, of the mother and therefore it's an integral part of the mother. The other opinion says it's a, uh, it's, uh, it's its own entity. Uh, this has a lot of ramifications, especially for the laws of abortion. Uh, but here we're talking about, is this considered a significant withholding? If it is a limb of the mother, then obviously he's withholding. Like we said before, if you withhold uh, um, a, a major part of the animal, then that's not considered a full sale. And here, this is a limb, that's it's a major part of the animal, and so that would be withholding, and the thief would not be liable to four and five. That's for sure. The question that Rabbi Yirmiyaz is asking uh, is 
diff- more difficult for the other opinion. If the limb is not, if the fetus is not considered a limb of the mother, but rather its own independent entity, what do we do? Do we say on the one hand that right now it's attached to the mother and therefore it's a significant withholding and he doesn't have to pay four and five? Or do we say, yes, although right now it's part of the mother, but eventually in a few months it's going to give birth and then it's not going to be attached. So just temporarily attached to the mother, but since it's meant to be detached um, therefore it's it's its own entity and is not a significant withholding and uh, that case he would have to pay four and five that's the two sides of the dilemma or another version of the two sides on the one hand you could say since it's not a limb of the uh, it's not a, a limb of the mother but it's an independent entity Therefore, it's not a significant withholding. I'm giving you the whole animal. What, this fetus? It's a separate thing altogether. That's not called withholding. And uh, therefore, he does have to pay four and five because he sold the whole thing. Or should we say that in order to eat the meat of the fetus, one would have to do shechita on the mother, and therefore um, it's considered an essential part of the of the mother, even though. Uh, for other laws, it's, it's considered a separate entity. Uh, the halacha is that if you do shechita on a pregnant um, uh, cow and then you find the fetus inside, the fetus doesn't need its own shechita. And um, if you obviously, if you don't do shechita on the mother, then the the then uh, ever, ever, anything inside the mother's body would be prohibited. Um, so since in order to, for the fetus's meat to be kosher, uh, would, you'd have to do um, shechita on the mother. So we saw that was one of the criteria um, in the various definitions above, that anything that is required shechita, that was Rav's definition, um, anything that requires shechita is called an essential part, and therefore this fetus would be an essential part of it. So we leave this unresolved teko. Last question, ba'erav papa, kenava keta'a umechara mahu, miyamlinan maideganav ha lazabin, odima madazabin, if someone steals an animal, cuts off its one of its legs, and then sells it, what do we do in that case? Do we say that which he stole, he did not sell, and therefore he didn't sell the whole thing, and so he doesn't have to pay four and five. He stole an animal with four legs, and then he sold an animal with three legs. It's not the same. Or do we say that which that which he sold, he did not leave anything out? It's true, he cut off a leg in between, but now now it's a three-legged animal, and he sold the entire three-legged animal. It's not like the cases above where he sold a full animal, but then said, I'm withholding from the sale part of this animal that I'm giving you. Here, since he cut off the, 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 the leg beforehand, not a very nice thing to do, but he is also a thief. Um, since he already cut it off and he's selling everything which is now part of the animal, so do we say that that is a full sale and we leave this question standing as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.